what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. everybody welcome back to another week of muskies on tap i am your host gus manti we have a few in the mott crew on here tonight i will introduce them all with us here we have max manti tyler andrews the guru and brian eckel how you guys doing tonight good feeling really good Doing pretty good, man. After a successful weekend. Yeah, sounds like it. Brian, how you doing over there? I'm doing good. I had a very fun weekend. Uh, No fishing for me, but uh, Guru and Gus got out and wrangled some muskies. So looking forward to breaking down those adventures. What, Max? Before we get there, before we get there, (laughs) people want to know, what did you go uh, to the bars dressed as this weekend for Halloween? I can't can't answer that question. (laughs) What do you mean what? you did? did you I, sign an NDA or something? Unfortunately, <laughs> I did not have a costume this weekend. Um, People are only going to assume it was something extremely suspect if you're not actually saying what it is. I, honestly, I should have gone as full denim just to post on the mop page. But yeah, this holiday snuck up on me this year, so I wasn't very, very well prepared. So you're one of those guys that's like too cool to dress up for Halloween. Now that no, you're it's not even right that. It's 24 or whatever you are. Just a lot of work, man. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. One Actually, of these years I'll put one together. Guru will appreciate this. I, uh, I went as Ricky from trailer park boys, um, <laughs> yes. this Halloween and my girlfriend went as Lucy. So we were a sight to behold. I, I even did the whole beard shave. That's why I'm clean shaven now. Cause I had a goatee with the sideburns. Rock we get a pick of that for the mod story. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a few out there. Um, <laughs> some postable, some not, but fun time. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely went true to form. If anyone's seen uh, Trailer Park Boys before, I was really leaning into uh, the character. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm looking at a pick right now. You, uh, <laughs> you did well. Yeah, it was good stuff. But uh, that's not what we're going to sit here and talk about tonight. I know a few other guys that did not dress up because they were bundled up in some outdoor adventure attire because they were out fishing, which Brian and I are very jealous of. But Gus and the Guru got out this weekend and put a few days together. So I am real curious to kind of hear hear what in what what uh, what went into that and how you guys ended up doing. Seemed like uh, you had some success. Yeah. Hey, uh, me and Gus went to um, a secret lake Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, lake X? Lake X. It's kind of an anomaly. You go out there and you just catch something. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll break down um, our thinking or, and how I was like, all right, Gus, we're going to follow this shoreline and go all the way around the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's all we're doing. And we're going to catch one for sure. And we ended up catching three. It was, uh, it was a pretty, pretty great evening. A little short evening. It was awesome. How long were you guys out there? Ooh, 
five, six hours. Yeah, I think somewhere between five and six, because I think we got out maybe around noon and maybe a little bit after and then cut it around five thirty, five forty five or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys get them on suckers, trolling, casting. How'd you guys uh, how'd you guys wrangle them? First two fish run suckers. Gus got a nice dandy with a big old blockhead. Uh, oh, yeah. Two hours big in. Noggin. Shovelhead. She was she was something else. That was a good fish for that lake. Then I caught a little Dinkerstein, and then Gus was twitching a crankbait up in the weeds and got another nice one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so. was shortly. Uh, I looked back at the footage. It was shortly after I lost the one casting as well. I uh, was about five minutes between each other, and I think two and a half of those five minutes was me sh- sharpening the hooks after the lost fish. And I'm glad <laughs> I did because <laughs> it uh it panned out in the end. Where'd you guys notice most of the fish staged right now? Most of them were on uh, weed lines. We were catching them on and kind of over cribs, cribs on weed lines. Yeah, the Um, two sucker fish were over, definitely relating a little bit to wood uh, off a drop-off and a weed edge. And then the the casting fish were just on a a deep, more of a larger weed bay, weed line. Not too much of a drop off going on there but so it was it was the anomaly lake uh thinking start here and go around the edge around the entire <laughs> lake what were you tweeting uh seven inch shallowator oh I got, nice i got some uh got some tips from the guru himself he uh <laughs> he was i was asking him i think i was throwing a suic or something like that before and and uh i was gonna switch and then Tyler just uh, opened my box and took a look in there and was like, Ooh, what's this? And picks out a, a shallowator that was probably the first crankbait I ever bought from, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. And it's like a custom paint and it's got some old features of the bait that they don't really make them like that anymore. And uh, I'm like, sure, I'll put it on. And then I'm like, can you show me how to use it? He's like, yep. And, uh, and I know you you just put out one cast, kind of showed me how to use it, and I went with that, and that's how I got bit. So thank you for that. Thank you for giving me confidence with an old lure that <laughs> I always have loved, but I could never get anything to go on it. It was a beautiful technique. I love getting people on the, on the crankbaits because they're just underutilized and they catch a ton of fish. You said it was an older model. Um, I know that the new shallow raiders are, you know, still catch fish and whatnot, but what makes those older ones different? Was it just solely the paint job or would they have a different rise, fall? Those older ones, they have, sometimes they have different rattles, but then they have different plastics. So their buoyancy is a little different. Before, I don't know, whoever owns it now and makes the baits, do they just run? They, they have a better wander, the older baits. And I don't know, I, I typically like that. When shallerators, the older models, because they're just, they seem to be more consistent. Yeah, the this old one that I have, um, I don't even know what kind of hooks I put on. I, I had to replace them because the old ones from way back in the day were rusted out. And this one actually has uh, basically a neutral buoyancy and maybe a slight sink, mostly because I was using a giant uh, rubber leader because I only brought out one rod to throw. Uh-huh. So that was kind of a, a, you know, I meant to use like a probably an eight, eight to 10 inch straight wire leader 
but it definitely didn't seem to inhibit the action too much. It had really good wander, and it pretty much just sat there and would dart side to side when I was twitching it. And I think so that what, was pretty deadly. What, and it's got good rattles in it too. So what's this technique that the the guru was showing you? I like, um, you know, people call it like a slackline twitch, but it really isn't that. You're basically twitching the crankbait, but you're reeling up all the slack as you're twitching it. So there's no, there really isn't no slack in the line. So that when a fish grabs it on the pause, you can feel it and set the hook. Because sometimes if you have too much slack in the line, you can have a fish grab it and get off or grab it and then start to get off and you set the hook and you get a poorly hooked fish and you lose it. Um, that's kind of how I like, I, I twitch it. I twitch it like that. So I don't lose fish, but then I also twitch it about 50% of the way back to the boat. And then I straight retrieve it in. So if the fish didn't eat it on the twitch, it's going to follow it in and hopefully crush it on the retrieve or the figure eight. And that, that seems to be a pretty nice like switch up for them. That works really well for me. That's interesting. So I'm just thinking back to our uh, musky bender weekend when we kind of stumbled upon like a 10 inch Jake bite uh, that weekend. And it ended up getting us a few fish in the boat, but it also, we missed a few. And now that I'm thinking back, they were, they were all missed because I was still slack line popping it probably with, you know, 10 to 15 feet to go. And mm -hmm. the few that we missed just came up and, you know, twitched when it should have paused kind of ordeal and i would be curious to you know be curious to think if i would have just straight retrieved it in after getting that fish's attention if it would have just came in and smoked it you know in that spot it tried to eat or or whatnot because that yeah i mean you know i guess the few that the few that we caught were kind of out further in the cast for myself and then yeah the ones we missed were all probably like after you're saying you would have just switched to a straight retrieve and I'm going to have to give that a whirl if I'm able to get back out there uh, this year, <laughs> next year. Definitely for spring, too, because I know we throw a lot of a lot of crankbaits in the spring. So that's interesting. I have to give that a whirl. Yeah, it's like if you switch it back to the boat and a fish hasn't eaten it by the time you get it back to the boat, you know, the chances of it eating it, in my opinion, are probably are a lot lower. I like to switch it up in the middle because you're kind of forcing it to commit in a sense, because it's like, oh, that wounded fish that I've been following and kind of thinking about eating, now is it wounded, it's going to get away, I'm going to lose out on a meal, so let's eat it now. That's kind of how I think about that. Uh, straight retrieve it and try to convert those picky eaters. Yeah, down into the mind of a muskie. Brian, you've been you've been pretty hot on the crankbaits over the past few years. How do you how do you like working them? Is it the oh, mindless? Also, is it the mindless work where you're not thinking about it and then you end up catching one? Or do you I mean, got a natural athletic ability? Maybe, <laughs> but I have lost a fair amount, like in that middle portion of the cast. And like right when I death pause it, I'll be reeling up slack and I'll like see a flash that T bones it. So I definitely think I need to do a better job of reeling up my slack while I'm slack line twitching. Um, so I might need a guru demonstration sometime down the road, but. Yeah, I remember we had that one really good spring with twitch baits, crank baits, and those were just like super hard and erratic twitches. And like if you weren't like just slapping that rod in the water, like getting that bait to dart everywhere, they didn't want anything to do with it. So I don't know, definitely figuring out what kind of crankbait bite they're on. I feel like sometimes they do want more of a slow sweep, but I, I, I love a uh, erratic one. They seem to like the erratic uh 
twitching, even though we had, what do we have, Tyler? 48 degree water or something like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 48. And I was, I wasn't really, uh, giving it too much of a pause, uh, in between and doing a lot of double pops. And mm-hmm. my, you know, straight retrieve at the end was fast. Neither of them hit in the straight retrieve. The, the one that got off, I think, hit after, you know, two quick twitches. I think it was really early in the cast. And then I think the, looking back at the footage, the one that actually got to the boat, the nicer fish, uh, ate just as I was, uh, straight retrieving after some twitches way out in the cast so that I could pretty much, you know, feel that fish as soon as it hit. And I had a good hook set where the first one, I wasn't expecting it. Cause you know, I just learned this technique and I didn't, I didn't know it very well. And, uh, but no, I'm definitely going to utilize that a ton. And there's definitely some days I think Brian or Maxie maybe alluded to it where like they want the crankbait where you're <laughs> ripping as hard as you can. And that's kind of where almost you, well, it's tough with the 10 inch Jake. I don't know if this technique would be very good with the nine, 10 plus inch crankbait. Unless have you had any luck with that Tyler or oh yeah, tips on that? Yeah. yeah it, you can use this, um, this technique with any size crankbait. Um, okay. I, I, I run a lot of 10 inch slammers in Minnesota, uh, twitching. You just have to, instead of using your wrist, you're using your whole body. Mm-hmm. Like that oh, okay. seven inch accelerator, you're using a lot of like arm action and like your wrist. And if you're going to use a big crankbait, that's 10 inches, I'm using my whole arm and my body to twitch it, do that twitching action. Cause I have a big rod for that. And I'm I'm able to get the same exact type of action and get fish to commit out here on those bigger baits doing that. Um, it takes a little bit of getting used to. You got to master the, the smaller baits first with that technique, and then move up to the bigger ones and try to convert that way. So now that we have a good amount of the technique going here, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna randomly ask a question to you, Tyler. What are the kind of days? Let's just, oh, I guess we'll just go with fall. Is it just like any fall day that you like twitching a crankbait, maybe over rubber? Or are you, how are you making that decision? I was going to ask about summer, but I don't know if we need to talk about that right now. Um, I'm usually switching back between both because I don't, you never quite truly know exactly what they're going to want because it's, you know, it's fall. And they typically want something a little bit slower. <laughs> and sometimes those erratic slower baits can make them eat and each has their own application. So I'll be kind of, I'll be switching back and forth throughout the day to see which ones they want on good spots. that I know hold fish mm-hmm. so like my favorite rubber baits, a tube and I'll be throwing, say, I don't know, a seven inch shallow rater. And I'll just one spot. I'll try a shallow rater and one spot. I'll try a tube that I know that, absolutely hold fish and see what see what they like um i kind of just go by i more so go by like what i'm feeling and what i'm seeing not necessarily like oh today's like these are the these conditions it's going to be this exact bait it's more like oh i'm going to go out it's going to be one of these two baits or three baits and then i'm going to try them all out and see which one gives me a response and then i can adjust from there accordingly there you go i definitely like that approach I, uh, I never, I never like to be, you know, hard, fast rules any day. I mean, there's definitely days where I got that tingling every once in a while where it's like, yeah, we're starting with this bait and like that person's 
not going to take that bait off because it's just red hot right now. But, but uh, more times than not, you got to switch up from the pattern that you had the day before. I mean, we even saw that on, on Sunday this past weekend, we got a little humbled that morning, although we did go to not Lake anomaly and went to big fish, low density and (laughs) really swung for the fences. But I do, uh, I do like your philosophy on that. Tyler, where you, you just want to maybe the first day back or, you know, I don't know what, when the last time you were up North fishing, but you just want to, you know, catch fish mm-hmm. and just, uh, get, get the skunk out. And then you go swing for the fences. Yep. If it, if you get skunked, it's like, yeah, whatever. We just had a great day yesterday and on some action water. Yeah. I, I, I've come up with that, uh, philosophy of many years of, you know, Oh, I got this one weekend. I'm going to go swing for the fences right away. Cause I'm just itching to catch a muskie. Then you get your butt kicked. And then Sunday turns out to be like the worst day for fishing that week. And you don't catch anything on the lake that you're, you know, have a better chance of catching something. So yeah, I like to, I like to go somewhere where it's nearly guaranteed right away. Get the skunk out. Be like, all right, caught a couple fish. Then let's go try to catch a big dog. Sometimes you hit sometimes you don't but you still go home with something yeah i mean catching fish is fun that's for damn sure i mean we we ran into that you know on our musky bender weekend where we kind of switched up that philosophy reverse and you know obviously we were pretty down in the dumps on saturday after trying that out and really not having much success and then sunday went to action water and luckily we're greeted with some really good weather and all that but i mean yeah especially when you're out there in the fall like you know, you're all bundled up. It's typically cold. You know, it's just nice to break up the day a little bit. It's harder mm-hmm. to swing for the, you know, the giant fish at times, sometimes in the fall. It kind of gets labeled as like that time of year where you want to go out to like your big, clear deep water systems and try to catch, you know, a 40 pounder. But at the same time, like that bite can be really good on those lakes that just had recently turned over. And, you know, you could be missing out like you guys had on a three, four, five fish day you know, on some of that action water. And if you get a few of those fish and, you know, upper thirties, low forties for Northern Wisconsin, that's, that's a great day. So yeah, I was glad to hear that you guys pieced together a good day. And then, you know, obviously Sunday was a little bit humbling, but I mean, you never know. And that lake has treated, you know, both you guys well in the past. So there's no reason why you wouldn't have, you know, gone and expected it to, to be like that. It's just kind of what happens in the fall. I feel like you just, some days are good. Some days are just really, really tough. You know, and that's something I know, Gus, you're kind of dealing with right now up there. It's like some days they just don't even feel like they're trying to get a meal. You know, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes it may be good. Sometimes it may be shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, is that, yeah, is, is that your uh, your last trip of the season for Muskie? Are you going to try and get out in the Metro at all? Uh, that is it. Um, I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life at the moment. I'm not going to talk about it just yet, but uh Got deer hunting coming up and decided to just put the boat away. And yeah, that was my last hurrah of 2023, which was nice to end uh, with three fish in the boat. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was just a great day overall, Tyler. And I'm really happy that you got to show me uh, that lake. You guided me on some fish. Appreciate that so, so very much. Had a great day there. And although it was just a short afternoon trip, it was uh that was pretty awesome. So, um, I think I think we should uh maybe dive into some late fall stories. Uh, maybe some catches or lost fish or bad storms or 
who knows, you know, anything like that. I don't know if, if anybody's got something on the top of their head, you know, I got it out there. Gary, yeah, start us off. All right. So this was maybe my second year of musky fishing. So I'm extra, extra green. This is like three boats ago. My dad and I are out three lakes chain. It is mid November and it is raining. It is cold. It's maybe 15 degrees. It's just miserable. And we're banging suckers off rock humps instead of on bobbers. We're kind of jigging them off rock humps. And, uh, how, yeah. how big were the suckers? Oh, they're about 12 inches. And <laughs> if you put enough lead on there, you can bang them on bottom. And uh, we, I noticed that there's, I, I remember noticing on my terrible eagle fish finder that there's a bunch of stuff just tight to rocks, like nothing was suspended over them. So we're dropping suckers way down there. And uh, my dad hooks up with a, a 42 and he kind of just lets it grab it, I guess. It does, I don't remember seeing him set the hook too well. And so this fish gets all the way to the net and I'm maybe 15 at the time all the way to the net I'm about to net this fish and it lets go and falls back into the lake my dad yells some profanity which at that time I had never heard <laughs> and, uh, you know some crazy things are said and then my dad in a, uh, a fit of rage takes the sucker and slams it as hard as he can when it was attached to the rig at the surface of the water and creates this big splash and that fish comes up and swallows that whole sucker no way and then i net that fish and it was at the time my dad's biggest uh three legs fish was 42 (laughs) inches oh my god what (laughs) dude it was so crazy we're just like it was super low and then a millisecond later it was like the ultimate high (laughs) (laughs) some days they just like you just can't keep them off the hook yep they want so I think the the takeaway from that story is if you have a fish up to the boat on a sucker, you just take the sucker out of the water and smack it against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pull on, gronk like, spike. Yeah, gronk spike it. Yeah. <laughs> the lake, get them fired up. It's actually um, a legitimate technique that I've um, talked to some uh, Minnesota guys. If they'll see if they see a, a, a muskie following their sucker, they'll um, take a bait or another sucker that they have in the boat and they'll slap it on the surface of the water behind that fish. And that fish more often than not, will turn around and grab it. That is interesting. Cause There's we've had a technique few times where you've had fish just sitting behind that boat side sucker where you can see them clear as day. Yep. And yeah. it doesn't look like they're going to do anything. So, I mean, at that I'm point, you might something. as well just try anything. I mean, it's not, you know, Yep. Um, <clears throat> all right, Brian, I want to run this one back. Uh, now that we're talking about being a little green in the fall fishing thing, because <laughs> okay, because <laughs> so I'll set the uh... stage a little bit. The the first year Gus Brian and I ever set out to do, I was getting some Snapchat reminders on my phone the other day. The first year we ever set out to do like fall fishing guru, we were so under equipped. I remember I went uh, to a, a local bait shop and uh, bought bought a a black and orange tail mag dog and at the time i thought it was like the biggest freaking bait of all no time. no it was a reg dog no 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 it was no, a mag it was, dog it was the alpha mag dog it was the alpha mag dog so it had the pounder tail and oh really mag size body and we were like lobbing that thing around all day because we didn't have the right equipment to throw it 
Gus was trying to throw a Medusa and ended up breaking his rod. Yep. <laughs> because the was so heavy. We, the, the, the bait shop we had been always going to was out of like suckers that day. So we got a walleye chub and put it on a quick strike rig <laughs> and dragged it behind the boat pretty much upside down the entire day. Um, <laughs> needless to say, no fish were caught that day. Um, this was a long time ago, so I'm just kind of chuckling at, you know, kind of where we were at now. And so if anyone's listening to this, like, and you know, you're at the beginning stages of fall fishing, like, trust me, we, we know where that is. And it's, uh, you got, you know, you got, um, you got some time to figure it out because I think the next year when we tried it again, we were like, all right, we're going like, you know, we're going to be more equipped. We, we finally got some new rods that can handle some bigger baits. But, but it was we, still like the rods still weren't right. Like the sucker rod was ancient, wasn't it? Gus, what were we running a, for the sucker rod? Because it was the reel that barely even worked, right? Yeah. It was a six foot medium heavy Fenwick. Uh maybe a six six. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> and a like a four point nine gear ratio round reel with a clicker yeah, it's pretty wild and so and not a great drag at all like that drag locked down would still slip so mm. we we run into tadpoles uh which is a local bait shop in eagle river and we're talking with tadpole that morning and we're like we're getting the suckers we're like all right you know here's how you rig it up and all this shit and like we're kind of getting the low down and we're kind of like you know where where would you fish on the the eagle river chain right now and he's like oh i would go right here and here he pointed out a few spots to us and kind of pointed us in the right direction. We're like, oh, we've, we've never fished those spots because at this point we were just mostly he, fishing in the spring or summer. He got our minds set on cribs. I just remember being like, oh, he like fall, they're going to move to these cribs and wood. And like, he's like, find them, you'll find the fish. We're like, all right, went straight to where we knew cribs were. <laughs> so we like throw the stuff down and we start kind of ro- roaming around. And it had it probably wasn't more than like, I don't know, 45 minutes into the day. I just remember a clear as day, the back sucker rod that we had kind of synced this bobber up to just gets takes down bobber slips out of the knot that Gus had tied and the drag just starts screaming. And we're like, well, who's going to take it? And oh, Brian, I think was up at the time. Well, uh, we, we Gus. did a, we did a, sorry, I didn't mean to butt in. I was, I got two things. We did a rotation. I think remember we did like an yeah. hourly right. rotation. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We did and like then, an hourly rotation. And I remember when we first did it, we'd use those three inch foam bobbers, which I don't use anymore. And I know there was another story of a fish that I I used to do like a certain knot where if a fish grabbed a sucker, it would slip out. So that bobber would just float away and it'd be free line. So you don't have to worry about like the tension of the bobber and maybe the fish letting go. And I think that's what happened. We lost a couple of bobbers doing that. Not a great idea. You know, no, we yeah. chase them down on a windy day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Not ideal. But it would, that morning was like pure glass. There was like not a ripple on the water. It's a cloudy. I think it was like during that first big cool down in the fall. And I just remember Brian was up and he was like, all right, like, what do I do? What do I do? And we're trying to like, you know, be like, all right, here, you know, here's kind of like what we're thinking. You know, we didn't really know. I remember, I'm pretty sure we like, like it, it ran with it. We tried to like get over the top of it and like, like a minute goes by because then like it stops moving we're kind of sitting directly over it in 15 feet of water or whatever and i'm getting antsy because i'm like 
yeah, I'm not just going to sit here and like wait for it to turn or whatever. <laughs> I think it was finally just like, I mean, if you feel him, like yam him. Yeah, you. We, there was no buildup. All of a sudden, Brian just gives this like a Hercules set because he's like, oh, you've seen all the videos on YouTube and stuff. And he just like yams this fish as hard as he can. And like right away, it's just like, huh, boom, it just goes right back down. We're like, oh, my God, that's a giant fish. <laughs> and at the time, we had not really caught many fish. I mean, really, no. all well, over 40 inches. That was the first ever sucker fish in the boat, right? First ever sucker fish. Yeah. It was like a 45 off the chain. <laughs> yeah, that's a good fish. But to add to add to this story, uh, and why that forty five as an asterisk is there there was no we had no bump board or like measuring no, tape. We put it up against a rod and like I think yeah, that was it. Put it up against a six foot sucker rod and put a little nick in the rod and then went to measure it later. So <laughs> pretty hilarious. Yeah. And then I think that same night we went out to night fish because like we were kind of running high off that you know, nice sucker fish for the first time, like all oh, f- fall fishing's it. And then later that night we went out, fished it like at least an hour into dark. And earlier that day we had just went into town and we got grabbed, like we each grabbed one new bait and I had grabbed this, what we call buzz light ear patterned. Uh, what, what, what is that one called? Shallow the, uh, invader. Shallow invader. It was like a glow in the dark, shallow invader. Blue with like neon glowing dots. It was so <laughs> like, ugly. It's like, you know what? So if we're ugly. night fishing, this is it right here. So <laughs> we went out and like, I mean, it, I don't know what time it was. We'd been out there for at least an hour in the dark. I'm tired from fishing all day. Just casting this shallow invader. I don't know if I was working it or not. And I just got crushed halfway back into the cast. <laughs> it was another like estimate. Mid- mid 40s or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah just i think we put it up against the rod and it was like it's like an inch shorter than the last one or something yeah. like that or like it didn't quite it's still a giant fish that picture is so cool yeah that picture looks way bigger than the other one just because it's at night yeah that, that was our first like i guess sucky into the whole mall or fall musky fishing scene that same day i caught my first uh rubber fish too on a medusa yeah that was Fairly shortly after my suckerfish, right? Same same yeah. area. Yeah, I looked back at the timestamps and it was like twenty minutes. It was like two or one dock down from. Yeah, that. that was like before we even knew tight bite windows were like a thing. <laughs> yeah. We're like, you can't catch a muskie if you just caught one. Yeah. They don't like. Yeah. They don't even live in the same area. Like, you might as well just get out of here. It's like the only Freaking fish that's out. around. So we, I mean, it's just so funny to like look back and think about how just like naive you know, we were when we were out there doing that and ended up putting together, a, you know, probably will go down as I, I don't, have we ever had a better day on the chain than that, that Epic single day? day? Well, if I, if I finish that day with, I think 90 inches, roughly of fish, uh, I could have turned it into potentially Ooh. 140 <laughs> uh. on Sunday. <laughs> but that was, uh, that was back yeah. when you really hated doing figure eights. Uh, yeah that was a tough sight to see up there with you and the figure eights were pointless until that fish had to teach me <laughs> they always always teach you the tough lessons i don't know if you want to elaborate on that since nobody else was there <laughs> i think i've brought it up before but i think we talked about it in an early pod but yeah uh, we definitely did yeah just uh you know sunday don't want to go home just kind of going through the motions and uh this big blonde girl shows up right as my bait's starting to come out of the water and um 
she waved goodbye pretty quick. So that was, that I was uh, wanted to eat so bad. like our our last spot of the day, like I mean, crunch time fish, and it was a giant. I've never yeah. seen another fish in that spot ever. Never since that fish is so big. <laughs> well, the, yeah, I think it's probably sixty by now. I would say it's. I don't know if it would be dead. I mean, we have no idea exactly how big it was. It was such a quick moment, but I think like at 40. the time, for sure, <laughs> it was the biggest <laughs> chain fish we've ever seen. <laughs> There's a chance we've maybe seen some more larger ones, but I don't know. That one, that was a top end chain fish, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Which is a bummer. Yeah. yeah. They're elusive. They're not easy. I mean, I know Guru fishes, you know, obviously he he's fishes a lot of the three lakes chain and we spend a lot of time learning on the Eagle River chain. And there's some there's some great bodies of water. I mean, they're it's a great place to learn how to musky fish. And Guru, did you spend most of those high school years fall fishing on the three lakes chain pretty much? Yeah. Or were you exploring even back then too? Back then I was not in exploring. My parents would not let me take my dad's truck. Uh, or when it became my truck out anywhere past the three legs chain. I apologize. My dog is uh, hitting the squeaker toy because she wants my attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, I at that time, it was mainly just um, the lake that I we lived on and then uh, the three legs chain uh, occasional when my dad would come up and uh, let me go on a different lake. So it was a lot of just learning that at that time. And fighting the parents being like, I want to go to other lakes and explore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot on the three lakes side. I mean, for we, I mean, we, like I've said in the past, we got a lot of listeners from like the Minnesota area and, you know, Illinois. And I don't know how much they're familiar with kind of this neck of the woods, but you've been on both systems. Like what, I mean, what do you like? I'll ask this to, I guess you and Gus, cause you guys both spend time on both systems, but like, what do you guys think the difference is between the two? Um, you know, mostly. Do you do you think they fish similar ish or is there some stark some stark differences between between both chains? I have for sure like one larger difference. I'd say the Eagle Riverside blooms up more and has more weeds and Three Lakes has a lot more deeper structure. Mm. Big time. Mm-hmm. And I've it's more lakes too. So like Eagle River chain is pretty much a lot of the humps and points. And if you look on the map, anything sub seven feet, it's pretty much weeds. I mean, there's some rocks, not many. Uh, I don't know about sand points. There's cribs, there's man-made cribs, but there's not like, you know, broken timber. Whereas the three lakes has weeds, has a lot of sandbars, sand, you know, humps, a lot of cribs littered everywhere, a lot of rock and a lot of more undulation with each lake each lake is a little more interesting than the eagle river chain for the most part yeah that that's very well said i'll also add is um the eagle river chain is significantly uh has more boat traffic than the three lakes chain yeah um the uh, more annoying rich people live on eagle river chain than three lakes chain um, <laughs> it's only getting worse too Jesus. yeah, yeah. Oh, come, come to minnetonka this one's king daddy of them all oh my god i was <laughs> out there this summer i couldn't believe that people were even fishing yeah it's um people are like oh go at night 
nah, it's just as bad. But yeah, that, those are, I think those are the two main differences, pressure and just structure and differences. I've always preferred the the three legs chain simply because of the variety and like less jet skis uh, pissing me off. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it was just closer and more convenient to fish when I was younger. So I guess I just kind of developed a more taste for it. The three legs chain. Yeah, I feel that. All right. I want to get back into some more stories because I, I feel like this day we're kind of, we're just kind of doing a little bit of uh revisionist, you know, type history uh fishing lessons here and kind of what we've taken from some of the days we've had in the past but Gus I want to I want to talk to you about this day Brian was with us as well um I'm, I'm sure Guru can probably riff off of this story so in the fall obviously the goal is when you're going out there you know and if you're not on you know quote-unquote action waters you're trying to put that one big fish in the net and a lot of times on those days it feels like it really can come down to like one opportunity for whatever reason you know tighter bite windows eat probably less amount of times throughout the day if i had to probably speculate maybe on the reason why but gus brian and i went out to this lake uh a1 water a few years back and we had a day and this is kind of like a good lesson learned on sticking it out because we got out there early in the morning and really early on we we had a sucker go down um I luckily was, it was, well, unluckily it was my turn at that point in time. And, uh, well, actually a few lessons can be learned from this day. Sucker rod goes down again on a big, you know, big system, uh, big fish water. So the heart's pumping pretty good. And I set into this fish and it feels like an absolute tank. And after about two to three seconds, the line just completely snaps. Well, it turns out the rig snapped and uh the sucker rig harness snapped and um it was super unfortunate and at the time we didn't even have a backup sucker rig so i had to drive all the way back into town and get a new one well those guys stayed out and fished and then we went the next god six seven hours without even sniffing another fish until gus you can kind of take over from here but yeah that was that was tough i Definitely highly recommend after every single time catching a fish or missing a fish or anything on a sucker rig to double check it. Uh, one single fray in one of those wire leaders, just change it out. I don't even, don't even mess. Uh, that's, that's what, that's what we have figured out and, you know, knock on wood, we're doing good since, since that. So, um, yeah, like Max said, long time with nothing goes to show on those fall bite windows i think this was early october ish so you know water was relatively still warm but i mean those bite windows start to tighten up in september even and um i know you max got a smaller fish on a regular medusa and that's when we kind of finally felt like we were doing something right again I think it was in a spot we've maybe never successfully fished really on that lake. Not that we really even knew that lake very well at the time. And I think we moved and I want to say I moved a fish on a tube. Cause I, I just, it was like that whole seven, whatever hours of nothing was just hard for us at, you know, at the time and 
moving that fish was pretty awesome. And, uh, and then we kind of rolled into this little more randomly oriented area of weeds and a bay kind of, and these two guys in a boat pass us with sucker rods out and we have suckers as well. All three of us are casting. These two guys are not casting and they come, you know, relatively close enough. I don't think it was very windy either and it didn't matter. And we just started chopping up with them and we asked him, you know, how are you doing? They were like, not good, not good at all. They were just sitting <laughs> down trolling suckers and it looked like they're going kind of fast. <laughs> they were just pretty much giving up. And, uh, Max, do you remember like how many, what day they were on or something? They had, they said something else. I don't know. They were on a few, a few day musky hunt on uh, late fall looking for a big fish and, yeah, I just cracked up because they were just like, we're dead tired, we're old, we can't cast big lures anymore. And they were just like going by us with the sucker rods out there, just kicking their feet up, having a good time. And it was like, I mean, not in their wake, but pretty much damn near right over the spot that they just went with uh, the through with the suckers. <laughs> Gus just gets freaking annihilated by, at the time, his, you know, biggest Northwoods fish. Yeah, that was a that was a very very large specimen for Wisconsin and girth wise, I would say it was thick through the tail and uh, that one hammered a suic. And I remember vividly that it, it was like, uh, it was like it, it slack lined me. It must've hit it like so hard from the side and behind that it just pushed the whole bait forward. And I think i I don't know if I just went into the next pop and set the hook or if I felt it and then tried to set the hook. I can't exactly remember that part of it. It was a musky blackout for sure. I think Max got the net, Brian got the video camera and you were able to start it because that thing fought for, you know, quite a bit. And, uh, it was dogging me. I mean, I was on my, basically my knees at one point. Cause I was just, <laughs> I was, I was doing, I think a free spool, but I think it was still just like, <laughs> just kicking my ass and uh that thing was going nuts and when it went in the net we were going nuts i mean that, that was, was just right at sunset yeah that was right at sunset really not too maybe like an hour or maybe less than an hour after max got that one in the medusa so that was you know another relatively tight bite window because i think we stayed until sunset or maybe just after and didn't get anything but that fish was that fish was special for sure I uh, I just had one false story pop into my head, kind of similar to Guru's with uh, slapping a sucker back in the water and a fish eating it. Um, but I believe this was a couple of years ago, maybe beginning of November. I could be wrong, but we were fishing a lake outside of Vilas County. Um, and I don't remember if we were kind of in between spots or like somebody just sat down for a minute to catch their breath. <laughs> and uh, I think it was a mag dog was like barely its tail was barely touching the water. Like the rod was set down in the boat. The bait was pretty much out of the water. And all of a sudden you just hear like a commotion and like the fish's head hit the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one was this? Was this the one when we had suckers out as well? I think it was then. Yeah. Was it the one that hit the mag dog I had? Yeah, yeah, the rod was set down. Oh, yeah, yeah, that thing that was in the water for like twenty minutes, dude. I was eating 
yeah eating a lunch or something like that like like i mean maybe an inch or two of his tail was dangling the water rod's completely laid down in the boat and all of a sudden we just hear like this commotion and a whack against the boat we all kind of froze and like you see the rod kind of drift over we're like oh shit like <laughs> you grab the rod gus oh yeah and there was right. like you didn't catch to, that did you no i tried to set the hook that was like a 40 or something and it didn't even <laughs> want to touch a live we had two suckers out the back and it ate a mag dog just <laughs> out of the water mag dog yeah just chilling <laughs> tail dangling in the water a little bit and it decided to just smoke it and almost take the whole the whole rig i had that was one of the funniest things <laughs> oh, so, lessons learned check your rig stick it out through the day and if all goes to shit, just dangle a mag dog on the side of the boat. Yeah, don't don't put too much of it in the water, though. <laughs> don't think too hard in the fall, everybody. <laughs> just go Guru, around the lake. Guru, have you ever had a fish eat uh, a bait when your hands were not on the rod? Because I, I know I have at least once, too. Uh, Once? Yeah, yeah. I've had it happen twice, but once without where I wasn't touching the rod, I, I caught both. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. That, the first time that happened to me was sometime in July. I was taking some buddies out that have been from high school that have been fishing for muskies for years and had never, ever caught one. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll take you out to Lake X because I know we're going to get something. I can get you a muskie, your first muskie. And in like the first 30 minutes of fishing, I set my rod down to tell this long story. And I have like a, a double 10 hanging over the side of a boat. And all of a sudden the fish just jumps up maybe like a 32 and just straight up grabs the bait, hooks itself and the rod starts going and I grab it and just set the hook. And everyone's like, what the heck? <laughs> I had to convince those guys to net the fish for me because they're so in shock and like pissed. They're like, it can't be that easy. Come on. Man. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. <laughs> It's funny how like you go through hours and hours of grinding for these fish, and it's like at the end of the day when they just want to be dumb and eat, they're just gonna be dumb and eat. Yeah, sometimes it's just like, gosh, they, you think they're just so intelligent, and then they do something dumb like that, and you're like, wow. Okay. We just gotta stoop down to their level a little bit more often. I mean, the one for me this year was when I we were fishing a deeper water with some sand grass, and like. You know, oh, I was just throwing out a bait and letting it sink and then ripping it back up off the bottom through the wheat, through the, through the sand grass. And my dumbass, you know, was a little thirsty and, uh, I throw out my, bait. <laughs> I just set the rod on the base of the boat, just go to take a sip of my drink, come no hands on the rod at all. And I pick up the rod. And there's a fish there. <laughs> <laughs> That you thought were wheeze at first. <laughs> and of then course you're... I lose it. And then the rod started you know something so who really knows how long that fish had it in its mouth for before i even realized it i mean i was sitting there taking like a few swigs out of my drink Golly. yeah it was I a had tough one of time i had a fish once grab a bucktail as it was falling after i got like a backlash when i was young and i get this backlash and it maybe took maybe took 15 minutes to undo and i start reeling it in and i'm like gosh i got all these heavy weeds on there and i'm like ripping this thing and trying to get this like big <laughs> weed ball coming in like man these weeds are just so heavy what the heck and then it gets to the boat there's not a weed it's like 
a 38 inch muskie that t-boned my bucktail that has no <laughs> and i'm like oh my gosh holy shit and then it drops the bucktail before i can do anything i'm like no <laughs> oh my god yeah freaking fish stuff uh, like that sticks with you forever because it's so stupid <laughs> oh 100 percent. like it's just sometimes it's just ridiculous at how easy slash hard it is to catch these fish like it it makes you really rack your brain i feel like that's why people get so addicted to it because it's like there's just no formula for it at times i mean there's definitely things that you can do to increase your chances but you're probably sitting there listening to these stories being like yeah i mean people probably have their own where you know they're grinding for six seven hours and then somebody does something stupid and they either have a shot at a fish or catch one and it's just like i mean how can you how can you predict that you know i mean just it's just happenstance at that point i feel like i don't think you can at all <laughs> no i mean you can't you can't purposely backlash your rod every time and let your bait sit on the bottom for 15 minutes and then <laughs> it's, not, it's, just, it's not sustainable <laughs> not a typical recipe for success but you know it happens um but yeah i mean it's uh and it's it's been you know it's been an interesting fall so far i feel like gus like you've been out a bunch and i've you know i feel like some days have been good some days have been bad i mean for the people that are still going to be getting out there i mean we're kind of winding the season down here but for the people that are still getting out there i want to hear from you and the guru on like you know just some late like late late season fishing kind of tactics or theories you know, that you guys might have to try to put a few extra fish in the boat here before the ice gets on the water. I mean, what, what types of lakes are you guys thinking about, you know, guru pretend you were living up in Vilas County, you know, what, what types of lakes are you guys targeting? What are you guys doing? You know, at this point, are you still hanging suckers? Are you trolling? Are you doing a combination of both? Are you hitting action water? Are you hitting deep, clear lakes? Like what's, what's kind of the game plan at this point in time with a few weeks left? Me, short and easy, I'm probably going to fish big fish water from now on. I mean, if I was, it's deer season for me, but if I was fishing in November, I'd hit solely big fish water and I'd focus on stuff that has like a lot of rock structure, and a lot of deep breaks with a lot of trees falling on the sides mm -hmm. so that I could drink suckers and I control so I could do both. Um, it just that that time of year just i'm not casting i refuse to cast and i'm just gonna i'm gonna drag baits or drag suckers and i'm just gonna kind of focus on that stuff that has access to deep water i'm not really gonna focus on anything shallow or you know weeds by that time a lot of the weed lines are kind of gone I'm, I'm i'm focused on rocks and deep rock humps and because you know turnovers happen so they can be really anywhere so deep like deep trolling you know 15 20 feet down on some of those clear water big fish lakes that's that's what i would be doing if i was fishing up there all november have you ever tried to drag anything besides a sucker before i have not but i've heard uh other people using like i'm, I'm not sure if this is legal in wisconsin but i've heard people use pike uh or like rainbow trout um but I've never, I've never tried anything besides a sucker. Yeah, I think to an extent, they're uh, legal. I think pike, it's just you got to look at the local body regulations on if they have like a size limit or, 
or if it's like you know three pike per person any size or whatnot or if it's if there's you know a slot or a minimum or something like that i know some places it's got to be from the same inch or something same system it's got to be from the same system yeah yeah same system as well so that's why i was a little confused about the rainbow trout thing like if you could buy them and bring you know i guess I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around that because I know you can buy suckers from the store and then go bring them anywhere. Maybe they count them as like bait fish, and that's why they don't. Maybe. What about a rainbow trout? We don't really have that many. What about a lake trout? You go to a big body water, catch you a little lake trout, and hook that sucker up. (laughs) You go fatty out there. (laughs) Trout. Oh man, some some big girls gonna want to eat that. I mean, my thing though is like if you went to a bait shop and you bought some some trout. You know, and at the end of the day, like you had one or two get off, and if they're over ambitious little, little uh, spunky trouts, you know, together, all of a sudden they find each other and fall in love. And next thing you know, you got yeah. a flourishing rainbow trout population in a lake that never had it before. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's a bad thing. No, I don't I, think so. Don't yeah, yeah. Just, that's I'm called just bucket biology. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's coming from a guy that has never dealt in the biology world before. So I don't think. <laughs> I'm I'm going like very simplistic Adam and Eve type stuff here, um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know, Gus. I I would look into that though, because I mean, like we've when we were talking to JVR last week. You know, if you're able to find a way to catch some ciscos or be able to hang some trout on those deeper, clear lakes, that that got me really excited to try that out because you know we spent a lot of days having suckers behind the boat with you know we had some luck, but it took a lot of time in order to get that those few bites um on those cisco based lakes so i'd be curious to know if your your odds go up exponentially hanging something different than a sucker yeah i would uh i'd be curious too i know was that you tyler that told me that or somebody told me that recently after the jvr pod that cisco's don't really live very long at all when you rig them up mm, i did not know that okay then somebody else from us uh for here told me that recently but i'd still be curious i'm sure we'd have to get a couple you don't just you know catch one and call it good like a you know a sucker at this time of year you can re-rig for days on end because they're just gonna survive the water temps are in the 40s how does how does one catch a cisco how does one catch a cisco i was doing your hands some people using net netting at night when they're shallow Seems we had like our, a, bu- our buddy Grape gave us some insider intel. I think he said a worm and a bob, so we can try that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Grape. I think if you listen to him, you probably won't catch too many fish. Shout out, Grape. <laughs> Shout, out. Shout out, Grape. If it's a, uh, if it's a if it's a purple and black double dog bite, he's gonna outfish every person in the entire country. But if it's not, <laughs> that man be going through it. I'm not sure you can keep uh, a pike alive very well in a harness too. If that is legal, in fact, like, I don't know. I mean, you catch like a 17 inch pike, that thing's belly up coming into the boat. So I don't know how you're keeping it, you know, head up when it's on a sucker rig for any longer I mean, than 30 minutes. They're really alive. All right. I know last year, one day I was out with our dad, Max, and, and he, we law, I don't, I think one of the suckers died. And I caught a dink pike. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna rig it up. Didn't catch anything that day, but the suck or the the pike stayed alive just fine for hours. Hmm. And is uh, it spunky? 
Uh, at first, it was very spunky, like more so than a st- sucker. And then I it was very imagine. docile. And I was checking on it a few times to see if it was like belly up or sideways or something. And it never was. It was moving and grooving. God, poor Pike, man. Be tough. Tough. We'd, we'd gain a lot of pen fisherman friends if we started rigging up Pike on quick strike rigs. <laughs> They're already calling for you to kill everyone you catch. So, yeah. What about yeah. muskies, though, too? <laughs> yeah, that's true. What did, so, Gus, same question to you then that I asked the guru. What What are you going to be focusing on here at the last? I mean, how long do you think we got? Realistically, you're up there. I mean, guru is just up there. What, where are we at with everything? I mean, are we talking like a few weeks left? I know Brian and I, we got the weekend of the 18th to go up there and try to go after a giant, but I'm feeling a little bit skeptical. It seems cold. Like it's going to be real cold over the next two weeks here. Yeah, just got to hope for above freezing nights, that's all, or wind. One of those two will uh, keep the ice off the majority of the lakes. But uh, today's the last day of Spooktober, and I got off the water later this afternoon with mid-40-degree water temp, basically. Um, Oof. You know, for surface temp in the basin, you know, not counting anything else there. And, yeah, that's pretty chilly. That that dropped quick, uh, since the last cold spell. But that was, that was gonna be known. You know, uh, these these lakes are, you know, wrapping up their their turnover process and they're becoming, not you know stratified like they were, you know, it's going in the other direction. But um, no, I don't know. I mean, I definitely want to spend as much time as I can on trophy water, and definitely gonna be breaking out a lot of the you know, trolling gear, especially if it's a very cold day and it's very windy and boat control with suckers would be, you know, next to impossible. Uh, especially if you want to go to a certain system and that one spot you want to fish is, you know, in the wind. So you might have to troll it instead of cast it or something like that, or troll it instead of cast and sucker fish it. But, uh, (coughs) I don't know. I think at any point, any given day, any of the four options that I'll be doing is are going to be viable. Cause just today I was out and had one opportunity to miss it, trolled a bunch, put suckers out a bunch. I jigged a bunch. And the one that I missed, missed a mag dog boat side on the cast. I mean, it was after a however long rubber lure instead of, uh, you know, trolling lures zipping by their face or live meat, uh, a jigging lure they didn't want anything to do with. And for some reason they just went after the casting lure and that's not always going to be the case every single day. So I'm going to stay flexible. It's tough now because the bite windows are so short and the days are so short and it feels like your lake choice is ridiculously important. Like it goes from, almost a guarantee zero bite, maybe one bite day to like, you're going to get opportunities based on the lake you pick. And it seems like, I don't know where my timing is off, but I'm hitting all these lakes at all the wrong times. Cause I know there's people out there, you know, catching fish on, on certain days. And then I go out there and get my, you know, ass whooped. I'm like, well, what the, what I do wrong or, and I, I don't know, sometimes it just seems like lake choice, you know, lake dependent. Because I know on Saturday we did, when we did really well, 
Tyler. Uh, I know a ton of other people did really well, and that was the day of the full moon. And I did hear from other people that they didn't do exactly well, and I know some people were on action water, and they just got sucker lookers, and that was it. Like nothing ate, and it's like, well, what was the difference? Like I, you know, that's a day with that weather that we had on Saturday, where you think you could go to any lake, drop a sucker in, and get smoked. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. This late fall thing is is tough. I don't know if it's best to just like pick three lakes, hammer the crap out of them, and just learn them, and no one, and just, just wait for them to turn on. Yeah, wait for that one day for them to turn on, or do you keep you know, having, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, my head's messing with me on thoughts on where to go each and every day. It's getting, it's getting a little harder and harder at this time of year to like choose a body of water. And I think you got to just stick to your guns and like stick it out. There's no running a gun in. There's no, I mean, switching bodies of water midway through the day is tough now. This time. But- by the time our uh, next planned weekend, three weekends from now, rolls around, it might be a little easier to choose because there might only be a select few lakes open. That's better, <laughs> was, honestly. I know, I know. I don't easier. hate that either. Either, But uh, looking ahead, you got highs in the 40s through this weekend. And then for the next 10 days after this weekend, it's like high of 33 to 35, the low of 25. So we just got to pray for some sun, I think. Oh yeah, the small lakes are going to be locking up within the next two weeks for sure. I still think there's plenty of time with those large lakes, or the rivers might be getting to our river mode. Yeah, rivers. We could find we could find rivers. We might have to, you know, take a drive south. Uh, I don't know if we've ever dabbled in, in coming to my neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, we could go down to GB and go uh, get in line. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> on a Saturday Bur- and Sunday. Guru, you ever fish many rivers up in Viles County? Or anywhere in Wisconsin? I fished the uh well, I fished the Fox because I lived in Green Bay for a while. But mm-hmm. I fished the uh the Wisconsin River up in Vilas quite a bit. I mean that holds fish. Um you just gotta go out there and find them, basically. It's I don't know, it's kind of scarce in my opinion. More big fish water on that on that river. Um, interesting have you fished the wisconsin farther down by like wausau or anything i have not but i do know that i had a lot of big fish a buddy of mine just caught a 49 and three quarter which is the rarest muskie on earth Uh, (laughs) it's an honest man right there right down there yeah (laughs) so i was like wow it's crazy it's actually right outside his house too so that was pretty cool Um, where's this house at (laughs) easy Yeah, it's um yeah, it's right in Wausau. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But um, yeah, the Wisconsin River has really big muskies actually. It's pretty cool. But you just got it they're it, it they're few and far between. Do you feel like it's easier to like kind of get a game plan together when you're going to fish like the Wisconsin River or a river system? I mean, you know, not, you, you're not, just kind of fishing the steep shoreline or whatever, but I'm just kind of fishing whatever looks good and whatever looks like a nice a little eddy. Um, I don't yeah. really have much of a game plan because there's just not a whole lot of water to you know that's there like a lake. It's kind of just going and following the river channel and trying to find pick out what looks good. I'm not the biggest river guy. It's just not really my thing. 
there's just so much that I, I have to choose from. So I just don't really care to fish rivers. Um, yeah, that, that's my best advice I can give. I don't have a whole lot of experience uh, on them, unfortunately. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit with you because uh, it's something that probably a lot of our listeners are about to embark on. But what's your what's your plan here with deer season on the horizon? We'll get back to some musky talk in a second, but I know that's kind of your main focus now. So what uh, what's the what's the status of that? You know, are you traveling for that, or are you doing some stuff here close to I, home? I am traveling. Um, I refuse to hunt the land anywhere near the metro just because there's people everywhere um but uh i am traveling to some land that my relatives own and go hunt with my cousins and uncle and my father on like 70 acres in northern wisconsin um up near anago pretty good area um i'm probably going to be there opening day till tuesday and then shoot home wednesday for thanksgiving and maybe the weekend after maybe uh, depends on how many how many tags we fill that's kind of my thing this year i decided to skip bow hunting again uh next year i'll get back into that so forgive me because i'm naive in this a little bit gus has got more experience but are these weekends you're bringing carbon with you to hang out or is you just solo dolo in the shack and uh solo dolo in the shack with the cousins um my uncle is not a big fan of dogs so she will not be coming to the to the hunt shack unfortunately oh, i did train her to blood trail do- deer so you know maybe one of them will wound a deer and i can have my mom bring her up quick for me and we can track a deer and then she'll get to come in the future but you did go. train her to do that oh yeah she can oh, that's have, impressive she can retrieve ducks she can flush pheasants flush rabbits you're going to retrieve uh blood trail deer so that's pretty cool it's got to teach her to hunt sheds um soon here and then she's like ultimate hunting dog yeah and only like eight or nine months old she is i think about 10 months now or 10 yeah yeah did you guys have any uh funny stories with her on the boat with you guys on was that sunday she was out there sunday yeah that was the first time she was uh out sucker fishing right her first ever sucker fall hunt it was her first big girl trip, and um, she was she has an obsession. She's a thief. She likes to steal things <laughs> and then bring it to her little area, wherever that is, and just kind of keep it. And she kept stealing Gus's uh, gloves that he had kind of on the <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, and he's put them away. Thing. Yeah, your spare gloves. You'd like you put them away under your cooler or something, and she moved the cooler and grabbed the gloves. <laughs> oh yeah, she found them. Make off with them. I mean, that's, that's a good girl right there. Yeah. You know, oh, she, yeah. she's trained for trained to find yeah. some things. <laughs> she was cute. She was a good dog. She was real funny, real interested in what Gus was doing. Anything that he started fiddling with something, she was you know, right on him. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? What's going oh, on? Yeah. Got to help a slow, slow fishing day, having a dog out there to at least watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a little bed for her and she was laying that a little bit. It was nice. She had a good time. So next next time you have her on the boat, if she's starting to dig through and, and scavenge all your gloves, just take the hooks off an old Titan and throw it at her. <laughs> yeah, that's about what they're good for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Oh, that's good stuff. Well, I'm glad she got out there to experience that. That's pretty cool. I mean, seems like she's an absolute weapon in the outdoors world, so it'd be nice to have her 
you know, nice little musky trained pooch as well. It'd be good. Yeah, she is. Um, she's doing really good with the boat. The first thing I ever trained her on was boat etiquette and don't pee and shit in my boat, please. Mm-hmm. Boat etiquette. Oh, yeah, and don't <laughs> yeah. don't grab don't grab the pretty musky baits and get a hook in your face. Get <laughs> learned that the hard way when she was young. Yeah. Yeah. Don't eat any shallow raiders dangling from the mouth. That'd be bad. Yeah. She has an infatuation with beaver tails. She just loves how they look. <laughs> yeah, she likes the oh, rubber baits and. Uh, yeah she also i think i i just figured this out or i not just figured it out but she uh why she was running around so much and you know checking out what i was doing she kept licking my monster can (laughs) yeah (laughs) she um (laughs) she likes to drink rook beer coca-cola energy drinks and coffee basically anything that you're drinking palate yeah good palate yeah anything she's you're drinking she's got to have a taste of <laughs> if you set it down, she's going to start licking the can or the rim of whatever. If it's, Carbon, a, if it's open glass. She'll drink the whole thing. Carbon kind of reminds me of Brian a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're not watching, I'm going to take a swig. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> every time I crack a monster, Brian's like, you going to, you going to finish that? Or... <laughs> oh, remember, hey, remember on Bender weekend when uh, there's two bubblers left and Brian's like, all right, Max, you want the, uh, this, I don't know, for the sake of the story, this, the blueberry one or the, the blue oh, one. That was with Jack. Or the, uh, oh, or <laughs> that was with Jack or the <laughs> twisted elixir. And like you gave him an option and he picked twisted elixir and you immediately, uh, obviously, like, that I, was don't know. You wanted. I don't know. It's like, that. I don't know, man. Uh, this <laughs> other one's pretty good. <laughs> so that'd be a nice guy. Um, so you know, obviously, Gus, you and the guru got out on the boat first time ever. What was uh tell me what the camaraderie was like? What were you guys chopping it up about out there? Uh I know we had probably just some like old stories and things rolling for sure. You know, it definitely felt good to have you on the podcast already, I think twice at the time. And, you know, now this is your third time. So it felt like I already kind of knew you a little bit, which is really nice uh, for the start. And uh, we just chopped it up. I mean, it was fun the first day. Like you said, the the game plan in that lake, it was just start here and go around the entire lake on the edge. So there wasn't yeah. too much thinking on the whole fishing part, which gave plenty of room for the talking part like i barely even remember what the hell i was doing out there i can't even believe i caught fish casting i was mm-hmm. so just not really that interested in that for the most part at the time yeah that uh the strategy was start here or go all the way around till we catch one <laughs> it just so happened to real, catch three real uh real complicated real complicated work out there so did you guys solve any uh you know, major problems in the musky industry while you guys are out on the boat or solve any of the world's problems while you're out there? I'm not sure if we can solve musky world's problems, but we can sure talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be hard to fully solve, that's for sure. I remember talking about, we were talking about like how with rise of social media, a lot of musky anglers can get um, stuck on like how big the fish is or how many fish they catch per season. <laughs> And that can really just suck the joy out of musky fishing. And at one point in my life, I was like, I got to catch a hundred fishes, hundred fish a season. If I'm short by one fish, I'm not happy with it. Or I got to catch a 50 this season. 
if I'm short by half an inch, I'm not happy with it. And man, it seems like there's a lot of guys and gals out there now that's they're so focused. And a lot of the I feel like a lot of that hatred and BS that goes on is because of that type of mentality that people have and like desire to just pump numbers into things and you know, like once you put a number to something you, your depression rates and you know problems start to arise and it's just i just feel like a lot of issues in the musky world are because of numbers and quantification when in reality you should just be going out trying to just do your best and do better than yourself yesterday instead of the next guy over you know yeah yeah i, I... I mean, I, I can honestly speak on that a little bit just from starting this podcast is kind of, I think it, it's, you know, not to get like too real here, but it, I think it's something that I, I think I actively need to probably kind of refocus myself on because now it almost feels like when we do these weekends where we're like, you know, hyping it up, like, oh, we're going to have a musky bender and we're going to do all this stuff. Like the focus does kind of start to shift to okay, like we got to put some fish in the boat because a, we got to talk about it the next week and B, like, we're going to post some stuff on our Instagram and whatever. And that was never really the case. So that's been kind of, um, I know, I don't know about you Gus with like now kind of doing the podcast and the guiding and like showing that, you know, Hey, book a trip with me. I can catch fish. But I know for me, it's, it's shifted the mentality a little bit where, I've kind of had to like re-remind myself, like, dude, you do this not to obviously yes, to catch fish, but you really just do this to like get out there and have fun with buddies and spend time outdoors. And I know I've definitely gotten a little bit at times caught up in like the actual end, you know, the means to the end and not the kind of means part of it, which is a little bit more. I mean, not a little bit, but it is the the most important part is just getting out and chilling and hanging out on the boat. So no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Cause I know I've, I've definitely need to get a little bit better with that. Um, you know, over these past few, this summer particularly was definitely the shift. And I, I, you know, it's just been, it's just been interesting new world, you know, like actually publicizing, you know, fish catches and tournament results and stuff like that, because it's musky fishing more times than not, it's going to not be the results you want. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, I don't know, Gus, how you've been dealing with that, but I know for me, it's been a little bit tricky. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I like that we talked about the whole numbers thing because that is something that I've gotten caught up with a little bit. You know, because we, as you know, Max, Brian, and I don't know about you, Tyler, but we we keep track of our numbers of muskies caught. We got a board here that, a uh, chalkboard. You know, very high tech here at the Manti household, but. uh <laughs> And then just top three biggest fish. So, you know, I see that every single day and I try not to stare at it and be like, we need more or anything, you know, dumb like that. Just, yeah, I don't know. Hey, the, hey the Gus, Gus, is... Gus, real quick. What, where's Brian on that top three list? Number three. Where, and who's number one right now? That's that's you, Matt. Isn't this what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Hey, on one second. God. All right. Pump your brakes, Max. Quit flexing on him. All right, all right everybody. Max is the biggest fish in the boat of the year. Brian is the third. 
Womp womp. <laughs> uh, it's about uh, the chase, guys. Not about the size of the fish. Right. <laughs> no, hundred percent is about the chase, and no, there's definitely been like a fine line between that, like the numbers thing, needing needing to put fish in the boat. You know, whether that be fishing for fun, guiding, or tournaments. Like I said, there's like a fine line there where I need to just tell myself that I'm I'm doing this because I love it. And I, I can't just like be only focused about like I we need to put a fish in the boat. I I don't know. I'm I'm thinking really hard on this and I'm trying to think on what to say. I know we've kind of we've kind of sprung this conversation upon you guys. I mean, you and Tyler live a little bit more in the spotlight on the fishing social media world than Brian and I do. Um, like I need so to more relevant to you guys. Yeah, like obviously I need to post pictures to show people that I catch fish. I just I also don't want to post every single one and then talk <laughs> everything about like I don't know, like numbers exactly, you know, like it's hard. How many we're catching a week? What we're averaging, and like this is why you need to come with me because catch fish. You know, that's not the point that I'm gonna hopefully you know try and bring across, and that we're gonna try and bring across as a podcast as well. Uh, That that's that's just not the point. I'm just trying to teach people how to musky fish. I mean, the the biggest thing that. I don't know the exact number on this. I haven't even looked like that's how much I'm trying to not get caught up in the numbers is that I've, I've put a ton of people on their first muskie this year. And, and that's what I'm most proud about for sure. That's the biggest part seeing the first muskie smiles. And that's, that's what I want to share with the world and, and share to, you know, people that anybody can do it. You know, I just had a young, young kid catch his first muskie the other week. Uh, we were, you know, we were trolling and we had suckers out, nothing ate the suckers, but we got one trolling. And, you know, although it wasn't ginormous, it was his first ever. And it kind of, you know, hopefully sparked something where, you know, his dad was with us and said like, oh, I don't think, I don't think uh, Luke will be reaching for the uh, bobber rods anytime soon in the next couple of years. And I'm like, that's awesome. You that's know, cool. So uh, that's the stuff that I'm looking for it's hard with social media like obviously everybody who catches a big fish like wants it to be seen like they should like it's a cool accomplishment but like most anglers most musky anglers i think enjoy like the hunt and like everything that goes into a fishing weekend more so than you know like the actual catch i mean like don't get me wrong like the actual catch the adrenaline rush like that's probably the best part but like looking back on a weekend or whatever you love everything in between the fish equally like and it's hard for people to show that on social media unless you're making like a youtube video with you know a ton of b-roll or whatever um and we've always loved those videos like keys outdoors videos where they show him like from the moment he wakes up everything he does get into the water you know like they fill in all the gaps which is like the cool part about like going out for a full 12-hour day so like for anybody who's not making videos they're just going to post the fish and you know, is what it is, might come across wrong if like, you know, they're they're fish eyeing that thing and 0.5 zoom to try and make it look like a 50, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh but... man, I, I think I've been throwing some hashtags on my post that uh <laughs> not bubble lens or not I don't even know what I'm saying. Something dumb. <laughs> Hashtag should... Yeah. Guru, <laughs> do you do you feel like that's why you've kind of almost 
you know, and I think you've done a great job of it, but like you almost kind of put a little bit of a comedic spin on some of your videos just to kind of lighten the mood with all that. Yeah. So it's just, you know, a lot of people, not everybody, but some of the people that are obviously like clout chasers that aren't very nice to others in the industry, which unfortunately a lot of them exist in uh, the musky industry, all seem to have the same YouTube channel where it's, uh, the intro is like, ah, Mr. Badass, look at me catch this giant musky. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to have that same intro, but we're going to just make fun of me the whole time. And that's my intro. And then I just have comedy throughout the whole time while I'm holding this 46 incher that I just caught. And I'm like, this is perfect. Like, you get to see a big fish caught, might teach you something. You get to laugh and giggle at the same time. So I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to be like everybody else. You know, I don't. I'm not someone who's real full of himself. I'm just happy to go out and fish. I'm, I love fishing, love hunting, but I'm also a pretty goofy dude, so I kind of want to show that at the same time. Yeah, and that comes across naturally. I mean, it's not something you can force. So, like, even if you're not somebody that has, like, a – I don't want to sound me. Like, not naturally maybe, like, a, a funny dude, but you still want to, you know, pump your stuff. Like, I think as long as you're doing it, and you're like natural about it and just being yourself. I think that always shows through on people's stuff, you know, no matter who you are, like whether you are somebody who's trying to give out some tips or you're just capturing a moment or whatever, as long as you're just doing it like in an ethical and natural way. Like, I think those are the people that I definitely have related to in the musky community the most um, people pages. I follow the most and stuff like that. It's just, it's hard. Cause there's a lot of it out there now. I mean, it's just not like it used to be where, you know, if you, you know, like kind of handling with the muskies on tap Instagram, Brian, I'm sure you've seen it now that like we have some followers and we're following people, man, it's, it's crazy. Like it, it makes you feel a little anxious when you go out and fish because all you're seeing all weekend is pictures of other people catching fish. You know, you go on Instagram on a Saturday night, it's like all these people have caught fish today. And if you have or haven't, like, it makes you feel some type of way where it's like, man, is this like, this is weird. This isn't, like this isn't my normal from what it's been the last five, six years. when we really got into this stuff, we weren't doing, yeah. you know, we didn't really care. It just wasn't, wasn't on our radar. Now it is like, it, it's completely engulfed everything. So it's just been a huge, <laughs> it's just been a huge change that I know I'm a little bit conflicted with dealing with. I still love it. I love doing this podcast. I love everything about it, but it's just been, it's been a whole game changer for us. I, I know that we've, we've talked about it off, off pod before. Yeah, the transition. Um, oh shoot, what was I gonna say? Well, the transition oh, just oh. to broadcasting. Oh, right, right. Uh, the it, it, like transitioning and just like social media. That's why when I'm out in the water, I don't even, I do not like looking at my phone at all. <laughs> oh, I know that. You, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Max. I do not text you back when I'm on the water. Really, <laughs> I might send you a pic if we catch one. It might not be right away, but that's just how I am. I don't know. Like I. I think of all the posts that I made on Instagram and Facebook this year, there might've been one where I posted other than PMTT. I think there was like one that I posted like one or two days after it was caught. Like I didn't post anything right when it was caught. It was just such a, cause I would never do that. I'd never post a lot. And then I got to remind myself, like I'm marketing myself. I should probably post some pictures of muskies. <laughs> It's a fine line. I I feel I like I don't want to do too much and don't yeah, want to flood a... people's, you know. 
it's tough. Yeah, it's a fine line. You know, it's not, it's just a whole new world, you know, that we're kind of delving into. And now we're just immersed in it and seeing it. And it's interesting for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just out there just trying to catch a fish and, you know, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, us all, all, all four of us being relatively young, you know, compared comparatively to the rest of the musky industry, I think we can hopefully help change it for the future, you know, get a little brighter mindset going on musky fishing that it doesn't have to be so hardcore. There's quite a, in the musky industry, hopefully it changes that there's, there's this feast or famine mentality, you know, with mm-hmm. a lot of things. And hopefully we can, you guys can change that. The younger generation can get that out of here. Yeah. I just hope, yeah. Hope that we can help for sure. We don't want to act like we're the only ones trying to change it or anything like that. There's plenty of others. Like, you know, Max was saying, we've, you know, met a ton of people in this industry that are very like-minded with us and, you know, want the same things. Some people yeah. maybe are a little bit more open about it and talk about it. And some people maybe don't want to do that, you know, whether that's just verbally when you talk to them or if it's posting on social media and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think we can definitely help carry it in the right direction. Um, trying to think back on some of the other boat talk that we had, Tyler, I know some of it might definitely need to be just saved for an entire podcast on itself Mm -hmm. otherwise we could ramble for a little too long tonight well this is probably the most interesting part of the podcast we've had but i mean ed like guru when you say feast or famine like what what do you mean by that like i kind of want you to flush that out a little bit like is it just you know, you're yeah, catching like, fish or not, or what's well, it's like this guy's catching fish and I'm not, you know, I'm maybe not that good, or I'm catching fish and you're not, or this guy got, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in the professional industry, so I got to see that play out on like a much more intense scale versus just you know, regular musky anglers. I got to see the top guys just absolutely just hate each other, hate each other's guts because it's like, well. I'm a guide here in this location. You're a guide there in this location. I hate you because you could be taking my customers away. And when in reality, a customer's probably going to use both guides or bait makers are like, let's two bucktail bait makers hate each other. Right. And they're like, well, you're taking my customers away from my bucktails and vice versa. When in reality, I own a bucktail from every bait manufacturer. And I've caught a musky on every single one. And it's like, <laughs> You know, just because your bait's good doesn't mean I'm just going to be exclusive to yours and not buy this other one over here because each has their own uh, use in places. And a lot of these old farts in the industry just kind of, I, I, they just don't get it where it's like if they just work together and we're friendly to each other, they can make significantly more money cross promotion. I mean, I, if, if for example, I won't elaborate on it, but if you look at the comedic industry and how they cross promote each other with podcasts and everything they make a ton more money by doing that and the culture is much better than it used to be and that should happen in the musky industry in my opinion that's kind of what i mean by the feast or famine it's just like oh you you make a competing bucktail f you like it doesn't have to be that way because <laughs> i'm gonna buy both as a consumer because that's what i like to do well, something we talk a lot about in our industry is like the amount of pie that there is to be shared. And mm-hmm. there's always enough pie to go around, especially 
like you were just saying in the musky industry with like that type of stuff. I mean, trust, trust me, you look in 99% of the musky anglers boxes, they're going to own a very vast variety of lures, you know, yep. no matter what it just, that's just kind of how it is. Like there's a different application for different baits and all these different scenarios and half the fun, like Brian and I've talked and opined about multiple times, half the fun of musky fishing is throwing on something different, switching mm-hmm. it up, being the guy to catch one on something weird that day or whatever. I mean, that's, that's like part of the process that is fun to us. It's like, you know, <clears throat> you want to, you want to try different stuff and, you know, see if there's like, you know, cause it, it, the, the biggest thing with musky fishing is it's like always a puzzle that you're trying to put together that you never can really finish. So there's always new pieces that you're trying to, you know, bring onto your boat or whatever and trying to make it fit, make it work. And that's like one of the most fun things is just, Hey, let's see if this works in this condition or whatever. I mean, like Gus said, there's just no hard, fast rules. So I agree. I think the more collaboration, the more, you know, pie sharing, if you will, that there is, the better the industry is they're going to be as a whole. I mean, I think right now it's probably more popular, you know, musky fishing is probably more popular than it maybe ever has been. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. I haven't lived back in the day and we didn't live through some of those heyday bites when things exploded, but I just feel like right now the amount that we're seeing on social media and people and tournaments and everything, you name it, podcasts, whatever. I feel like it's probably at, you know, it's going to continue to grow and it's probably at the highest it's been in a long time is from a consumer standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. This is like a golden age right now for gear and people and everything. It's uh, it's really coming up, which is nice to see. Yeah. I mean, the fact that us three freaking, you know, well, two of two idiots and Gus can start a podcast and actually get the amount of listeners that we've been able to get, just goes to show that there's a need for people wanting to know how to catch these stupid fish and also hear about stories and, you know, whatever trials, tribulations, everything The the markets out there. And that's, you know, that's exciting because it's obviously become a big part of all of our lives. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we're definitely living through interesting times because while it's the height of the consumer side of musky fishing, it is the height of, the dissemination of information on social media too, like hundred percent. I mean, it's the, you know, it's crazy how many people post pictures of fish and, and have different ways of catching them and all that stuff. It's yeah, it's just nuts. I mean, and it'll be interesting to see where it continues to go and how many more people will convert and try to chase these things. You know, it's going to be nuts. You know, we got, we got a lot of interesting things happening in Wisconsin. I mean, they're, they just they just introduced Great Lake or uh they've they've introduced Great Lake Spotted Strain into a few different lakes. They've introduced Leech Lakers into a few different lakes. I mean, things are gonna really start to take off, I feel like, in Wisconsin over the next decade. That is awesome. That's so exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so <laughs> like you're gonna get a Minnesota heyday Malax. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be the same, but you're gonna get some crazy bites on some of these new bodies of water. Mm-hmm. you know in wisconsin it and it, you're gonna just rinse and repeat this cycle it's gonna be uh man i wish i wish they they did that 10 years ago for us now who are living in wisconsin <laughs> like the last 10 years have been you know busting my ass trying to catch a a super giant in bilis 
It'd be great if they had leechers back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to still be a bit, but I mean, and I think too, just the stocking in general, like, you know, from making a few more contacts in that side of the world, like it just seems like it's kind of the height talking with JVR last weekend, him saying, you know, a guy that's been doing this damn near every single day for 20, 25 seasons in a row saying that this is probably the best state of muskie fishing has been in, in Wisconsin in a long time. Just kind of crazy to hear. Like that's only going to continue to, you know, stay the same or get better. I'd imagine. I mean, they're obviously treating it as a, a prized resource. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all good in my book. Um, I just think that's just going to make more people want to do it. You know, I, I think the stocking will only continue to get better. Um, Cause I feel like 10 years ago when like these Lake association members would get together and put out their votes on like what they wanted to prioritize stocking. It was very heavily walleye and like panfish and you know, your eater fish and they hated the muskie because they took, you know, they ate all the walleye or ate all the bluegill. And I feel like now the muskie fishing growing in popularity that, you know, that, that vote won't be so one-sided and hopefully we'll be getting higher stocking numbers going forward. Well, they've finally yeah. had the research to back it up on why that's not the case. Yeah. Right. No, I, yeah, they definitely do have that research. I think Minnesota did that where like muskies just do not eat as many walleyes as people always thought. But on another note with that stocking thing, what's interesting, I don't, I, I think it might be a little backwards. I, I looked at a lot of old reports on pretty much, you know, every single lake that we like to fish around here and they stocked way more muskies in all of the lakes and just recently they've cut a lot of lakes they used to stock one fish per one to two acres and now on a lot of those same bodies of water they're stocking like one fish per three four five acres you know the past five six years but six to 16 years they would stock almost one fish per acre or two and i'm trying to wrap my head around on what's that's what that's going to do to a few lakes just based on fishing pressure, the fact that they're already considered action water, uh, the top end fish isn't quite, you know, always there, but sometimes these lakes are getting better and we've seen that. And then we've seen some other lakes getting worse. I don't even want to get into the one where I've now met multiple people at the launch where when I got in and they said, Oh, did you catch one? We're like, yeah, we got one small one. They're like, did you keep it? And I go, no, you're like, oh, damn it. You should have kept it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? They're like, yeah, well, we keep every single one we catch. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not coming <laughs> back to this lake at yeah. all. They're gone. That sucks. They're taken away. There might be a couple <laughs> top end fish in there that those people won't catch potentially, but they're keeping every small fish, which is hard, hard to hear when you're, you know, getting off the water after a guide trip trying to put some people on a fish yeah and release it and then the person at the boat launch gets pissed that you didn't keep the muskie but uh i don't know i'd be interested to see where some of these lakes go on uh on just so you're so, so you're kind of not in the same camp of what i just said like you think it'll continue to get better you're kind of on the other side of it no no you're not, like worried not better and not worried i'm just Say, I'm just maybe like throwing a correction in there where you're like, where you're saying that they would stock them, you know, this and that back in the day, and they're gonna think about stocking them more. Where I'm, 
I mean, I who knows how accurate everything is. I'm just basing this off of Wisconsin DNR, but I'm seeing less stocking in almost every single lake that we fish. Where like the 10 year mark of 10 years ago was like the peak stocking, and then the last five years, it's less. And they're still doing it every other. There is there natural reproduction in those that they're trying to let take over, or I mean, that's a very good possibility that a lot of them do have natural reproduction, but there's no studies or research at all. I mean, we can speculate because a lot of the bodies of water that we fish have tigers in them and they don't stock any tigers up here. So I don't know. I was just bringing that point out. I guess, I don't know if it's a concern or just a, just a point to get out. I don't know. We're all doomed. (laughs) <laughs> There's going to be no more muskies left. Walleyes on tap next year. <laughs> Guru, you got any inside track on any of that or not so much? Um, I haven't paid attention to the stocking in a long time. I try not to think about it because Wisconsin DNR, how they handle muskies, uh, pisses me off. Um, <laughs> it could have been really, really awesome like Minnesota, but they've... Uh, fumbled the ball for a couple decades on trophy stocking. Now, now it seems like they're, uh, they're getting on track with what they should be doing, which is nice, but I don't live there no more. So that, that pisses me off too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then now it's the, the word gets out faster than maybe it did in 2005 for some of those bites. So. Yep. Yeah. It, it'll be over in a month. Yeah, one person finds out about it, and then the whole county knows. Mm-hmm. So it'll be tough. That's why. Uh, that's why I go fish new lakes all the time. I'm trying to learn a lot. I don't want to landlike myself to, say, just the Eagle River chain or something like that. That would be, that'd be tough. Because if the you know Eagle River chain goes through a bad bite or a tough year, it's gonna be tough for me as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, Tyler. Thanks for hopping on again as a residential co-host at this point. Um, you know, I feel like you're almost part of the pod here now. Just hopping on and we're out of the interview phase with him. Now he just comes on to chop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just comes on to tell some stories and shoot the shit, which we're always very appreciative because he's got a plethora of that. So um best of luck with deer hunting. We'll be excited to hear how that goes. Uh and uh, you know, hope hopefully we'll be able to get together here um this late fall but excited uh excited for you for the deer season and um keeping up with uh training carbon and everything you got your hands full man you're a busy dude lots lots going on in my life at the moment and uh yeah i'll, I'll leave it at that uh for now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep. to be more discussed on the next time i'm sure you come on for one of these random nights and oh yeah, yeah <laughs> hang I'll, out with us I'll, I'll spill the beans uh in the future (laughs) all right well that'll give us plenty to chat about next time we can't thank you enough for coming on as always man i'm glad you and gus got to share the boat together hopefully uh brian and i can join you guys next time around it'd be a lot of fun us for to get out there whether we go to lake x or not and you show us around there (laughs) yeah uh you know put a blindfold on us whatever you need to do down (laughs) make that happen next year (laughs) oh yeah boys Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, you boys take care. All right. All right. Thanks, Guru. Have a good night. Thank you, Tyler.
All right. We can't thank the guru Tyler Andrews enough for coming on the pod. Like Max said, just to, just to come chop it up, pretty much be our, our uh, fourth co-host at this point, you know, being the, the first person to be on the podcast three times now. He has hit a milestone yeah. and he will definitely be hitting four, five plus, you know, appearances for sure. You know yeah. who I, you know, who I know is going to have something to say about that real quick, not to cut you off. I know Clayton's going to have something to say about that. Well, that's right. He's been on <laughs> twice. I know Clayton's, I know I, he's kind of our other residential uh, co-host. I know he's mm-hmm. going to be coming on here in the near future and mm-hmm. hang out with the fellas a little bit. Yep, that's right. And yeah, I can't appreciate uh, the guru enough for for uh, showing me a cool bite over the weekend. And we had a great time catching some fish, chopping it up. Uh, That was fun as always. But yeah, uh, we just talked about a whole random assortment of uh, musky topics tonight, whether that was just fall fishing or the state of musky fishing, which uh, I think we really dove in probably deeper than I thought we were going to tonight. And I think we're for sure going to hold off on some of that talk uh, more so for the winter, uh, the fireside chatter that we'll bring out uh, for, for all the listeners to get ever get everybody by when it's uh, dull, dark and cold out. But uh, I hope everybody enjoyed what we talked about tonight and, uh if if we did i don't think we really ever did come off in the wrong way hope just know that we weren't trying to do anything like that we're just trying to just trying to uh we ain't bad people i (laughs) yep exactly what brian just said we're not we're not bad people we're just trying to give out (laughs) we're just trying to give out good musky info to the uh community bring out uh what do you call it max pvo positive vibes only mm-hmm. bring out some pvo in the boat and yeah hopefully you learn a few tricks here and there throughout this podcast and i hope you learn everybody learned at least something uh over this whole uh summer and uh the months that we've uh started this podcast so uh and hopefully this- we'll have one more good weekend to break down in a few weeks if the weather cooperates even if it doesn't there's gonna be water open somewhere We'll find yeah, it. Yeah, we're we'll make it work probably regardless. I mean, we we're trying to keep two weekends open in November for us three to get back in the boat together and do one last mot send. Um, I will say the stuff that we were talking about before, if anybody listening has any insider scoops or tracks to you know the, the Wisconsin DNR or stocking and and kind of the theology behind that. I'd be really curious to get in touch with somebody whether they wanted to come on the podcast, talk about it, or just kind of internally with us chat about it. <clears throat> be kind of interested to hear on on where the direction of that that's going because it sounded like Gus and I. I mean, obviously Gus came in with a little bit more factual information. I was just kind of going off of like the momentum of musky fishing. Um, but it sounds like maybe there, you know, is some sort of, um, you know, difference in, in stocking reports from, from now until, you know, from, from now and from what it was, you know, eight to 10 years ago. So I'd, I'd be really curious to dive in more into that. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's something that I'd, 
And obviously, you know, we're, we want the resource to flourish. So I'd be curious to learn more about it, I guess. Yeah, I think I would as well. And I didn't mean to come off in a bad way at all. When I was talking about anything to do with stocking, I just, that's just personally what I've seen uh, looking at the numbers and, you know, over the years, I don't have enough, you know, age or wisdom of the matter as uh, some other people do on the ebbs and flows of systems, whether they were stocked too much or whether they weren't stocked at all. Uh, the difference between having too many fish and stunted fish or top end fish, but there's not that many, you know, there's a lot of trade-offs in there with how many uh, fish are stocked. And then, like I was saying before, I don't know the exact answers because some lakes have natural reproduction. Some have none, some have a little, some are almost entirely natural reproduction and you know those are the ones that you really got to hold on to and i don't know i i still think that we're in a great direction and there's a lot of fish up here i mean just look at tournament uh outcomes on some of the bodies of water up here and and what they can produce for northern wisconsin i think we're in we're in great hands and i yeah, I just I think if we really want to learn more, I definitely think we'll have to probably get somebody on the podcast who has the research or the knowledge or maybe the the numbers and science to back it up. Um, Talk to an expert. That'd probably yeah, be the way to go. That's you got any it. you got any contacts in the the you know, I don't know, local DNR up there. I'd be yeah, curious, Gus, to mm -hmm. get somebody on, maybe one of your friends knows somebody or something and be curious to chat with them because I would love to kind of hear, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's also some old backlash episodes on, um, uh, I can't remember anything off the top of my, uh, head, but there's, they did have somebody on who talked a good amount about that. I'm probably going to have to re-listen to those as a refresher, but they also, I think came out a year or two or more ago. Cause they've been obviously doing their podcast for a super long time, but uh, yeah, that's all interesting stuff. I think we've pretty much covered a good amount here. I think uh, before we sign off here, I'll just quick give another update that there's still some hoodies left. Uh, definitely more black hoodies than gray hoodies are left. Uh, there's some pint glasses left as well. Uh, you can find those at, at my guide page, www.sugsfishing.com. Uh, really, really appreciate all of those who have purchased some Mott hoodies. And uh, we love seeing people sporting those around and, you know, hopefully catching some fish in there. As we like to say, they're scientifically asterisk proven to put fish in the bag with the uh, lower case asterisk. No science to back that up. Actually, Gus, now that you mentioned it, uh, another peer-reviewed study just dropped. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Harvard, Brown, a lot of the major universities supported it. And if you mm -hmm. actually drink beer from the muskies on tap pine glasses, that will give you good fortune moving forward, whether you're fishing for muskies in the fall, deer season, ice fishing. Mm -hmm. They've all said that it, if you're drinking beer, you know, on a Thursday from a mott from a muskies on tap pint glass that that weekend scientifically your, your chances of, you know, getting the species that you're after will, will improve. Yeah, um, it'll make like, you feel uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and also tingly feeling. 
If you and also problem. on the flip side, if you don't get the species that you're looking for scientifically proven to help you cope with an unsuccessful trip. Yes. Um, yeah. that's that act, the science actually on that is very solid. Yeah. I've been talking to a few professors, uh, that have, that have written an extensive amount of research on this topic. Wrote. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> how many, uh, Mott pine glasses have you had tonight? <laughs> Not enough to be saying Roten. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. Is there any like uh, they got any graphs, multiple graphs, looking at like type of beer, or, like what's giving somebody their best odds? I mean, there's got to be percentages that they're giving out, or is it you know, just yeah, like ninety p? Actually, the amount uh, of it's actually a, a, a liquid per consumption mm-hmm. ratio. It's not the actual li- uh, liquid that's in there. It's actually the amount. So the more amount that you drink, the more your chances actually increase is um, how the graphs gotcha. any, you know, typically any go. Next day studies going on with that one or next day it's all gone. I mean, you are in the in a dark place. <laughs> Relative to how many times you fill up that muskies on tap class. <laughs> There's actually right. uh, another study that also has come out, you know, here that the more pint glasses you drink, the more likely it is that you're going to sleep in jeans too. So mm, you know, that's true. That study is facts. <laughs> I think before we get a little too uh, far into this, I got to put a disclaimer here on the old Mott pint glass. We are not responsible for the amount that you put in and drink per night. Please use your Mott pint glasses responsibly. Yep. They're not exclusively for beers. You can put some water in there too. Don't be afraid to do that. I've I've dabbled with it. I don't know what it is about those things, but they got a hole in the bottom of them. I think. Yeah. I don't know if it's actual construction or if it's just because you you know. Construction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I tapped a hole into each each and every one of them. Sent out. <laughs> All right. All right well, so moral of the story, guys, go check out that merch. Christmas is coming up, kinda maybe. Maybe you want to get something for someone special. Or a Thanksgiving gift. Um, so, so, yeah, everybody gives gifts on Thanksgiving. It's yeah, typical. Yeah, instead of bringing that dish over to the family's place, bring over a mot, a crew of mot hoodies for everybody. Now you're talking. Yeah, oh, that's a party. Uh, like I like where mm-hmm. you're going with that. I like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a good uh, it's been a good run with the mot hoodies. Um, been fun to see where we're sending them out. So people repping in a few different states it's always good spread the love yeah we've hit quite a few states so thank you all to have gotten them already and and to the future ones as well so uh all right guys i think we'll uh wrap up the, the podcast here tonight um brian you got got anything to uh take us away here send us off <laughs> shaking your head is that a no Oh man, it's uh, shoot, we are man, uh, yeah, this you know, this was a hard podcast to keep up with. I hope everybody listening was able to follow along because we were bouncing all over the place tonight. Pleasure having the guru on again. Looking forward to having him back on here in the winter blues of January. Praying that the sun keeps coming out and we will be able to fish here in a few weeks. But good luck, everybody else who's fishing. Uh, prior to Thanksgiving, hope everybody had a good Halloween. If you caught a giant fish in Halloween, send that to the Muskie on tap DMs for a chance to be featured on the story, guys. Thank you for listening to it.